Welcome to the Long Thread Podcast about spinning, stitching, and weaving by hand. The podcast is presented by Long Thread Media, publishers of Spinoff, Handwoven, Piecework, and Little Looms magazines. Find us online at longthreadmedia.com. This episode is sponsored by Trainway Silks. You'll find the largest variety of silk spinning fibers, silk yarn, and silk threads and ribbons at trainwaysilks.com. Choose from a rainbow of hand-dyed colors. Love natural? Their array of wild silk and silk blends provide choices beyond white. Trainway Silks, where superior quality and customer service are guaranteed. I'm your host, Long Thread Media co-founder, Ann Merrow. So Linda, I think that this year is the 45th anniversary of Spinoff, which means that it's been more than 45 years since you started a craft publication on your kitchen table. Can you tell me about that? Well, do you want to talk about Spinoff or do you want to talk about the original Interweave magazine? Let's talk about the original Interweave magazine. Oh, well, that was a primitive um, sort of effort because that's how things were back then. I mean, it, this was before it well it was before it was before personal computers. I mean, I I it was uh technically it was exacto knives and hot wax and so forth and I got my first mailing list together because Bill and Louise Green at Green Tree Ranch here in Loveland gave me a grocery bag full of their sales reports receipts that had people's addresses on them. Holy mackerel, you couldn't do that. They could not do that today. No, (laughs) (laughs) but they were very sweet and very encouraging. And so I typed those up on, you know, three by five cards in the night while I was nursing my baby. And that's, you know, typed them up on my, it was an electric typewriter. It was a big deal. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so you know things were just uh, simple in a way, but very handmade in a way. And it's not how you would do things today. There are so many more tools and so many more processes. Uh, but it was really fun, you know, just really fun. So before it was a first of all, I'm not sure that a lot of people realize that Interweave was a magazine. Before it was a company, it was a magazine. It was a magazine. Yeah, and that's all I had thought it would be, was just this little magazine. And it was originally pitched toward just the mountains and plains states. And in fact, that was on the original masthead was Interweave, Mountains and Plains. I don't remember what it was, but something about mountains and plains. And it just kind of spread from spread organically really quickly because there were a lot of people out there who wanted to read about weaving and spinning and such. So before it was a magazine, it was an idea. And what made you think that this was something that, when you had a baby, what made you think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start a publication? (laughs) Because, well, let's see, how can I answer that? (laughs) Because I, um, you know, I loved my baby. (laughs) I, I was not a helicopter mother. Uh, okay. Yeah. I needed something else. I had been teaching full time and I really, you know, I really enjoyed that and I missed I missed having that kind of engagement. And so I needed something I could do at home and you know, do in between kids and 
whatnot. And uh, just seemed like fun. And it was. It was a ton of fun. So how did you put together your first issue? Like, how did you decide what was going to be in it? Did you write most of it? Yeah, I... I, 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 I you're asking me to remember something really old. Sorry. <laughs> I don't even know what was in it. No, I, I, I know this. I, uh, the day, the baby who started the whole mess was nine months old and he was, and he weaned himself. And so I was freer mm-hmm. and I just got in my car and drove to Santa Fe and interviewed with my camera mm-hmm. and my notebook and pencil, mm-hmm. and I interviewed uh, a Hopi craftswoman, uh, Ramona Sakiestawa, who's wonderful, still is, and an elderly woman named Mary Davis, who ran a craft school in Santa Fe, and maybe some others I don't remember, and I wrote those up and took my little pictures and did my little black and white dark room work in the laundry room at night after everybody went to bed and you developed the photos yourself. I did. It just <laughs> seemed it seemed like the thing to do. I don't I don't know. I mean, I loved doing that stuff. So it was a very primitive homemade publication and I did it because I wanted to mm-hmm. and it did find an audience very quickly. So, you know, that's that's how that went. And I guess the the, you know, it's 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 one thing to put out one publication, to put out one issue, or even two, but to have it be a going concern. Mm-hmm. And what made it take on momentum, do you think? Well, I think it was just the response. I mean, I, the, the first issue, I just sent it out for free to a couple of thousand people. And, you know, as opposed to doing any kind of direct mail or anything like that, I just sent them in it. I mean, it was a little. It was just 24 pages. It was sort of a sample. Mm-hmm. And I sent it to them and said, if you want more of this, you know, send me $6. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people sent me $6. And, you know, the thing is, you get yourself backed into a corner that way. It's like mm-hmm. you have to make deadlines and you have to produce whatever because... People are counting on it. And it, so it really had a life of its own very quickly. And uh, so, yeah, I kept doing it. Seems like mm-hmm. from then on it was kind of, you know, were you running it or was it running you? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's interesting. It, it was only quarterly. I think that's right. Yeah, it was only quarterly. So it was four times a year. And uh, it wasn't a full, it was nowhere near a full-time job. When I had three kids, we had a, mini farm we were milking goats and you know butchering chickens and all that and uh so it somehow it fit in it fit it worked yeah and that farm was the reason for one of the one of the things we we still you know, get to work with today, which is the peculiar publication schedule of Handwoven. I found an early issue that said, you know, we'll do five issues a year. We're going to take July and August off for the garden. Well, that was just a joke (laughs) because somehow, you know, because we'd started publishing books by then and there were those, and then we'd started spinoff by then. And then we'd started, I don't know what all we were doing. We you know, just a lot of stuff. So no, there was no time off, but it was a, it was a nice idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The funny thing is that at this point, the gap comes sometime in 
February, I right. think. <laughs> <laughs> right. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. Take a weekend off. <laughs> yeah. So you started this as a, an English teacher and a, and a journalist and a weaver and a spinner. Do you think that all of those things are still part of you, or do you think that one of them has become more you than the rest? Well, I think the publishing part is really... I mean, I love to spin and weave and knit and do all that, and I still do that, and I, I used to do it obsessively, but it's really the communications part. It's the publishing. It's the For me, even though this is old-fashioned, it's print communication that I really, really love. I love making print magazines and books. And uh, I think about it all the time. I read like an idiot. I, I read voraciously and and not just in the crafts, but all over the place. And it, it just is what fills my brain. You know, I was, when I talked to Marsha Young in season five, we talked about how paper is a textile. And, and as part of your, your work in the Long Thread book that we did a couple of years ago, there was a whole series of stories about people who were making books out mm -hmm, of paper in mm -hmm. different ways. It's true. And yet, you know, I feel that guilt, that guilt of cutting down trees to oh. make this thing. And mm -hmm. it does, you know, kind of drive your, it drives your need to do your best. If you're gonna if you're gonna sacrifice trees, it better be good. So that that's the the push and pull of it. I I do love, I do love it. But you know, if we'd quit cutting down old forests for it, that would feel better. Which I guess is happening. Yes, I I think that there is such a variety of where these things come from, and now they're turning through them so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and we can't print things on wool. Oh, yes, we can. We can, do we? <laughs> I have to tell you, the very first spinoff autumn retreat, which was in, what, 1983, 1984, one of those years, we had this, we, I had this bright idea that we would make name tags for all of our attendees, <laughs> and we would do this by making little felted, you know, name tags and and put their names on them in yarn. <laughs> How many people were there? Well, there were, you know, 90 people Holy or something. <laughs> we just, we would do it, at, you know, over lunch hours at work, and we would just make felt, and everybody, everybody had a ball. But we only did it the one time. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me, there used to, once upon a time, we used to have these core values, and one of them was, that's so crazy, it just might work. And it sounds like that's kind of been part of it from the very beginning. Oh, I think so, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, here we were. We were way outside of any any conventional publishing, what would you call it, any, you know, we weren't in New York. Mm -hmm. We weren't in Chicago. We weren't even in Denver. <laughs> We were in Larimer County, and we could do whatever we wanted to. <laughs> so that really opened it up. Yeah, it seems like that was, you know, New York. Okay, is is a is a hub of publishing, but at that point, especially, Northern Colorado was a really rich place for textiles. It was, yeah, and not just Northern Colorado. The whole state of Colorado, 
the whole, uh, you know, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona. It was, and even Wyoming, although there weren't many people up there, there were a lot of sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was a lot of uh, public uh, of craft activity happening. Well, and there was, you know, Shaft Spindle has just had their 50th yeah. anniversary, so they had yeah. been here for a little while. I'm not sure people realize that Halcyon Yarns, which has been a staple in Bath, Maine mm-hmm. for a long time, used to be here. Oh, it was. They uh, they were uh, they were a major advertiser in the first issue of Handwoven. It's their little daughter who uh, is in their ad, and now she's grown up and running the company. And there, yeah, there were a lot of businesses. There were loom manufacturers. There were some great looms made here that are no more. I mean, Schacht is the major loom manufacturer in this region now. But there were a lot of good loom manufacturers and wheel manufacturers, just a lot going on. And it was very, you know, it was was a back-to-the-land culture. There was a pretty strong element of that Mm -hmm. in the Rocky Mountains. And it drove, I think it drove that a lot. But at some point, you started bringing those sorts of people to you. You know, there were people who, who moved to Colorado. Well, okay, me, I moved to Colorado <laughs> to work for you. <laughs> well, that's a good question. I'm going to turn that one around on you. Why did you do that? <laughs> well, I, I, I needed a job, but <laughs> um, I mean, it seemed like, what you folks were doing was making the the best. I was a I was a book editor at that point, and I've said that I'm really good at making my hobby into my job. And so I love to read, so I became a book editor. And then I learned to knit, so I became a knitting book editor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I moved out here because, you know, the knitting books that you know were coming out of Interweave were I thought some of the best. Oh, they were. Mm-hmm. And and you put out some great knitting books in your time as the as the knitting editor (laughs) well you know i i worked with ann budd which you know boy you could hardly learn you could hardly learn from somebody better than that this is true you know and i i came out thinking that i knew a lot and i went home i think for the first year i would drive home every day and think i'm as dumb as a brick i don't know anything (laughs) (laughs) well i think the project the the book that we threw at you when as soon as you walked in the door was really hard if I'm remembering correctly. I think so, too. I think. Well, I think it was, and, and, you know, now, of course, I would do it completely differently. But there were a lot of words, and I was good at words. I didn't really quite understand how to put, it, how to put together a picture book yet, but I understood how to put together words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think that there's something about, there's that sweet spot of knowing a little bit, but not too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... I knew enough to kind of make the book happen, but I didn't know enough to sort of think about it like somebody who didn't know what she was doing. Well, that's the tricky part of being an editor mm-hmm. is you have to be kind of ignorant but kind of really knowledgeable, and you have to be sort of invisible mm. too, don't you think? You know, I used to say that I was channeling my inner idiot as a service to the reader, and people were kind <laughs> enough to... <laughs> to point out that they didn't have that I didn't have to dig very far (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's an interesting job I love Mm it yep love it along the line I learned to spin and then I turned that hobby into my job too for spinoff and you know I think for me it, it became what I what I do now is I knit but what I am is a spinner and I get the impression that you are a weaver 
Not anymore. Really? No, it, true. And and that's kind of interesting um, because I was I was a maniac weaver early on. Um, before I ever started interweave, I just I would be up at four or five o'clock in the morning before the kids were up, just banging away on my loom. I just couldn't do enough of that. And uh, I was never a great weaver. I was, you know, barely a good weaver. And I mainly just wanted to make cloth. I was not, uh, I mean, I thought structure was interesting, but, you know, I was perfectly happy making twills. And I think I just, well, my eyes started going. I mean, that's a big piece of it. Can't can't really dress my loom anymore mm-hmm. easily. But you still think about things like a weaver. and I And I think when you... Um, sometimes I feel like that's kind of where your heart pulls you a little bit. Could be. Don't know. I'll have to think about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I have, uh, yeah, my loom takes up a whole lot of room in my little office and, and I'm not weaving on it. I haven't had a warp on it in ages. And I often think, well, why, why do I still have this loom? And then I just go hug it. Mm. You know, I guess I do love weaving. (laughs) One of my, you know, I, I'm going to say air quotes favorite stories, but one of the stories that really sticks with me is that one time Joe Coca, who collaborated with you for many, many years on a whole bunch of different mm-hmm. projects, was over at your house and happened to just move the beater forward. and Oh, he just knocked all the, all the threads out of the heddles. I could have killed him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if, if, you're, if you're not eager to dress your loom, you, you can, you know, tie on another warp and keep it going. Oh, and boy, I did. he blew that out of the He did. No, that's what I, I, that's what I was doing at that point was, was tying on new warps. And he just, he just wrecked it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But I'm sure you forgave him because you worked with oh, him yeah. for so many things. Oh, many things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you mentioned that for your, for your first issue, you... Um, went down and interviewed mm-hmm. Ramona Sakiestiwa. But that's something that it wasn't just a one-time thing. You've been interested in indigenous textiles all along. Well, I'm just, I'm interested in people who do this, mm-hmm. you know, who do these traditional crafts. I'm, I'm really as interested in the people as in the, mm-hmm. as in the things. So it's kind of taken you everywhere. I mean, I know that you did, you've done a lot of work with, in, in Peru. Yeah. Yeah. A lot in Peru. And, uh, and that, and that just grew into, you know, I don't know, Guatemala and Chiapas and Laos and Morocco and Afghanistan. And it just, you know, it has taken me places that I would never have anticipated. And it's been it's been really thrilling to meet craftspeople all over the world. Because after you stopped running Interweave the company, you you didn't stop being a publisher. You started Thrums right. Books. I did. I started Thrums Books, and it was, uh, yeah, you know, it was kind of self-indulgent, really, because I just wanted to go places and meet people. <laughs> <laughs> but it again, it turned out that... Uh, those the books I was able to produce were of interest to people, mm-hmm. you know, enough that I could keep keep doing it. Are the Andes in the area on Cusco where you've done the most book publishing like that? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I've done. 
Yeah, I've done three or four books uh, working with Nilda Kalinyapa at the Center for Traditional Textiles of Cusco. A couple of them were just pro bono things that were never really circulated in this country. Um, but we did two, three, three significant books together. And um, so, you know, working in these, in these, uh, with these foreign cultures, I mean, what I've always felt I needed was somebody who comes out of the culture, but who has enough language skills to make up for my dreadful lack of language <laughs> skills. And Nilda, you know, she's been a perfect partner. And, uh, yeah, that, so those, I didn't want to go in as an observer. I wanted mm -hmm. to go in as a, as a publisher working to elicit the material from a, an indigenous author. Mm -hmm. And Joe went with you on so many of those trips. Yeah, most of them. The only one he didn't go on was um, to Afghanistan because there is no way they would have let a man photographer into, you know, he would have to have worn a burqa and faked it. <laughs> To to work with a a bunch of women who were making a right career. yeah right yeah yeah but he's he's been uh, yeah he's he, I think he shot all of the well no he didn't shoot uh, all of the Thrums books but he did most of them mm -hmm. you took him on a lot of adventures I did yeah and and I was grateful because you know I couldn't have done some of that without him. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a really good partnership. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, he took all of the photos for handwoven spinoff, so many of those publications for years. And I mean, I've spent, I spent tons of, you know, tons of time in his studio when, when he was here, but it felt like his work really came alive in those, you know, finding elders in the Andean highlands or, you know, at festivals in Southwestern China well, yeah, and and that's because I mean, number one, Joe is a lovely people person. He just mm -hmm. relates easily and gracefully with all kinds of people. And the other was nobody was bossing him. I wasn't, <laughs> you know, I would suggest what I wanted, but he he was uh, really, you know, in the studio doing work for Handwoven. He was micromanaged. You know, mm -hmm. the editors were micromanaging him and. And he did a great job for us. But you turn him loose and you see magic. Well, you know, that is one of the things that's different about a book versus a magazine is that I think with a magazine, there's a certain, yeah, you don't want things to look the same, but a certain level of consistency. Mm -hmm. And with a book, it's kind of a new thing every time. Right. Yeah, that's true. And with the magazine, especially with our magazines, which have such a strong how-to component, you have to... Be really clear about what's happening. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot. Which oh. one do you like better? Which do I like better? Yeah. Who? <laughs> well, I love I, uh, books. <laughs> okay. That's okay. I mean, what I, I loved doing both. You know, during all the years I did both, I I liked the uh, the fact with a magazine you always had a second chance. Mm -hmm. You know, there would always be the new, the next issue where you could try something different or improve, and that was, it, it, that was good. Um, but you know, with a book, you're you're making a, a 
fixed entity that needs to stand on its own forever. And that's a different kind of creative challenge. There is still something so meaningful to people about having having a book, having their name on a book, having their work in a book. Yeah, that's true. And as an editor, don't you feel, I mean, don't they, you're kind of like the ghost in the machine and so many of them? Yes, and that is one of the reasons that I kind of came to like magazines better. <laughs> was really? that when I was editing books, I had to convince the author that it was their idea. And when I became the editor of magazines, I could say, mm, no, yeah. we're going to do it this way. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's true. As a mag- it, But as a book, yeah, yeah, as a book editor, you really have to, you do a lot of challenge, challenge, channeling of people and rewriting of people because often our authors, while they would be superb craftspeople, they wouldn't be writers really. Mm-hmm. But you needed to make them sound good, and you needed them to make to feel like they had done it, mm-hmm. and uh, that's tricky. Well, and I think it, as a book editor, you have a kind of a relationship with your writers that you don't so much as a magazine editor. That you really—that's <laughs> a—it's a partnership. It truly, truly is. And it's the same with magazine contributors that you work with repeatedly. I think about that yeah. a lot. I mean, there are people that I've worked with, many, many people that I literally love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not quite the same emotional journey. You don't, you don't feel like you've just, you know, yeah. when, when, when the first copy lands. It, it's, it's different. Yeah, it is yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, I, because in a way you've come come back to magazines, but we also have snuck a couple books in there too. Tried to. (laughs) (laughs) We've done two so far. I know. Yeah. (laughs) I know. And I really loved working on both of them. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, yeah. Both very different. Um, The long thread, it seemed like was a lot of just ideas that, I I think that was a very Linda driven book. It was a lot of ideas that you wanted to explore. Well, yeah. I mean, basically I just wanted to make this nice little thing to give our readers. You know, this was at the very beginning of Long Thread Media. We had mm-hmm. just started and one of the first things I wanted to do was just make make some nice little thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, that would be unexpected and mm-hmm. appreciated and yeah, it was a kick. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really enjoyed doing it. And then we did Nature's Colorways together. We did. Which, we did. Although that was really I worked on it, but that was still your baby. You worked on it a lot. Yeah. I would say it was pretty much a joint effort. Yeah. And it was interesting to me because we uh, we don't see things the same way, you and I. We don't. We have different, different directions of interest and different aesthetics. And somehow, you know, I think we put together something that, that sticks together very nicely. I loved it. I, it. It was a frequent reminder not to be held back by what I currently thought was doable or wise (laughs) (laughs) to dream a little bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you often ask, you know, wouldn't it be cool? Or somebody that I know used to think, Oh, I bet I could pull that off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Might be a stretch. I bet I could pull that off. Yeah. 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 I think of that all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you have you have pulled, pulled off, off a, a couple lot. of things. Yeah. <laughs> yes. As are you? Yeah. Since you have, uh, you know, taken the leadership of Long Thread Media. I mean, look at look at how that's gone. Wow. It's it pretty is, exciting. It is exciting. It's a learning experience. It's it's just 
yeah, I love it. I, it, it's, it's good to get to work with people that you believe in who also, you know, believe in the, believe in the mission. I always say I believe in the mission, which, you know, might be a little bit too high toned, but you know, I, I think it's true. I believe in what we're, what we're trying to do and, mm -hmm. um, what we can accomplish well, so. and it shows yeah thank you so much for sitting down with me linda and i can't wait to see what we work on next i feel exactly the same Anne. this is uh this has been a pleasure thanks to trainway silks for sponsoring this episode thank you for listening to the long thread podcast if you've enjoyed this episode please rate the show and leave us a comment on apple podcasts or your favorite podcast platform Thanks again.